Good Friday morning to everybody and welcome to a Coffee and Football right here on On Texas Football. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, both of On3 and Inside Texas. And guys, a day away from the Baylor game, Sark met with the media yesterday. What were some of y'all's biggest takeaways from what he had to say? First of all, Bobby, we had a hello from Cut and Shoot Texas, baby. I hadn't seen that one before, so thank you for telling me where y'all are from. Um, yeah, I think we're going to see a healthy Cedric Baxter, Bobby, uh, I, and I think that excites Texas, uh, that one-two punch at running back, and we expect to see Maurice Blackwell. Um, you know, I, I, I think the one of my takeaways, and I know you'll have more takeaways than I, because I was on the road a lot of the day, was that I think Sark feels like his guys are ready and they're focused this game. Yeah, he definitely hit on that topic. Um, and I, I will say this, uh, he uh, he is very aware of his, the tenor and the feel of his team right now. He talked uh, yesterday at length uh, about how communication seems to be better when he thinks his, his players are engaged. Uh, and he, he felt like this week was a good week of practice for them in that regard. Uh, Jerry, you hit on uh, the uh, Cedric Baxter um, edition. Uh, I just think he brings so much to the Texas offense from a yeah. physicality standpoint. Uh, not only is Jonathan Brooks a, a really good running back, he's not necessarily the bruiser, and neither is Keelan Robinson, and neither is Jaden Blue. Um, Baxter just brings a different element to this offense uh, that allows Texas to be different. And so if they have to lean on the run game like they did a year ago at Baylor, they ran the ball, people don't remember this, in the fourth quarter, 22 consecutive times they ran the ball. Um, they, they're going to need two backs if they want to come anywhere close to that again. I don't think Dave Aranda is going to let them, and that's one of the reasons why he changed defensive coordinators a year ago. Uh, but uh, that physicality is an absolute must uh, for Texas and, and, a, and part of what uh, Cedric Baxter brings to the table. Yeah, no doubt about it. By the way, uh, somebody said uh, good morning from Lake Palestine. Emerald Bay is awesome on Lake Palestine. Somebody also said from Auburndale, Florida. I went to see Derwin James in high school at Auburndale, Florida now, one of the best prospects I've seen. But, yeah, I think, Bobby, it, it opens up the entire running back playbook for Sark, right? I mean, one of the things you saw at the start of the Alabama game was the, the trips bunch set and the throw, the horizontal throw to Cedric Baxter to begin a game. I think that's a play they're probably more comfortable with with Cedric Baxter. I think Jonathan Brooks, he's had a couple of drops. I think he's going to catch the ball fine. But I think they love Jonathan Brooks, the runner, you know, more so than anything. And they like Cedric Baxter. I think they like to get him involved in the pass game and the run game, being a freshman back so that he doesn't have to carry as much of that load running the football. But to your point, he does bring that physicality. And I just think, I think it's great for Texas. Uh, because those guys are different players. They have different strengths, but they blend together to give Texas a really good backfield. Cedric Baxter has that great cutback vision, which they need. Um, and, and Jonathan Brooks, I think, is he just has that winner's DNA. I mean, um, it, I think it's great for Sark. Um, I'm not saying who's going to start, that he started a freshman running back from Florida the first two games. That is great for recruiting. Uh, then, set, you know, and Jonathan Brooks is a mature guy. He has that winner's DNA. He can come in there. Um, and make the plays when Texas needs them, close out games for Texas. I think these guys blend together, marry together to give Texas a really good one-two punch in the backfield. And I'm I'm excited to see, um, I, I'm excited to see how Texas comes out in, in this game offensively. Are they going to run the ball at Baylor a little bit more early? 
than you saw Texas do against the Rice or Wyoming. I, I tend to think they might. I, I think they should. I think they should definitely test Baylor uh, this year early. Uh, hey, I want to mention also we expect David Smoke to join us from 365 Sports uh, to talk a little Baylor. He's up in Waco. He uh, has one of the uh, most impressive YouTube shows on the Baylor Bears and the Big 12 at large uh, available. Uh, longtime uh, radio personality in, in Tyler. Uh, and so I've known David uh, for a long, long time. Happy that he's going to be joining us uh, as well. Uh, another thing that uh, Steve Sarkeesian said yesterday, Jerry and Blake, uh, he said he was a little concerned. Or he said he wanted his defense to focus on, obviously, the, the heavy run game. The Bears averaging more than 4.6 yards per carry, but also the play-action game uh, off of it. Those are the two things that his defense, he said, focusing on uh, for Saturday night. Uh, the Longhorns, of course, number one ranked defense in FEI in the country right now, uh, according to ESPN. Uh, the defense should be up for it, uh, but there is a major change from a year ago when Texas really, I thought, stymied the Baylor run game. Uh, Mora Ojomo played that outside, that five technique last year a lot. Uh, they're going to have to replace that, and maybe that's not what Vernon Broughton and Alfred Collins are best at, Jerry. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I think that was the strength of Moro Um, I wonder if the Baylor offensive line where they're at versus last year. I mean, uh, they I'm not I, I think they got some issues um in past Alvin Bissell is a talented young left tackle. He's a bit of a waste bidder on tape. At least he was against Utah. I'm interested to see how he plays um Saturday. I, I think that the Texas experience uh on the front may be the difference there. But I agree with you. Uh you know, look, I thought Alfred Collins has played solid this year. He hasn't made spectacular plays, but I think he's done what he's been asked to do. Um, I'm also interested. I, 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 Bobby, the one thing this week, I think, I, I think Baylor's really going to test the discipline of the edge players for Texas. I yeah. really think they're going to test the discipline there because they'll run quarterback power off uh, an edge's butt if he starts to crash down, right? I mean, so they, the, that discipline this week by the edges is going to be huge. And that's the way they keep them at home and, and, main, and keep Texas from bringing the heat all the time, is they've got to have those guys thinking about multiple tasks. Yep, absolutely. And I would, I would add one other thing. It's also going to, uh, it's going to test the strength of a young Ethan Burke as yeah. well. Uh, that that's going to be another big one for for the Longhorns as well, Jerry. Hey, Jerry, you're down in Florida. Anything yeah. big in recruiting last uh, 24 hours or so? Yeah, you know, um, I saw Solomon Williams Tuesday. We kind of went over that at Carrollwood Day. Um, I actually, I guess that was Wednesday. I've lost track. I saw DeAndre Robinson yesterday at afternoon practice. He was in great spirits. It was funny. He was talking about watching the Texas game, uh, Texas Bama game, with a bunch of his teammates and his girlfriend and. You know, he was like, I was pretty much the only one telling him Texas is going to win. Um, but he said, he said, I the one thing I've got, Bobby, from kids on this road trip is the, I don't ask about DeAndre's reaction because they believe. I ask about what do your teammates say? Not doesn't mean there's a kid Texas is going to offer at Jones High or at Carrollwood Day at Sarah Land. There are. But what are the kids saying? What's the reaction? Because that tells you a lot in recruiting, right? It's peer pressure in recruiting. All the responses, I just put up a story on KJ Lacey, uh, 
uh, on Inside Texas this morning. But all the responses are like, yeah, people are talking about Texas. The kids are talking about Texas. That's what this win does. Even the kids that aren't level of recruits of Texas, they now look at Texas in a different light. And I think this spring we're going to see, and Texas has to go, they have to go win their games. But I think we're going to see this spring more kids visit Texas. That's what this win does for you. Um, but I can tell you guys like DeAndre Robinson, they're they're really excited. He's an early enrollee. He can't wait to get to Austin. I'll say this. I put up a thread on Inside Texas yesterday, and I rarely do this. Uh, but I was at O'Galley High yesterday and saw a kid, junior defensive tackle Brandon Brown. And Texas is all over him. He talked to Sark and Bo Davis last week. Um, he is vastly underrated nationally in the 25 class. Uh, and I'm just here to tell you that there aren't many guys um, – that get me excited when at this level, like when you've been doing this as long as we have, Bobby. That the Brandon Brown kid is six one and a half, maybe closing on six two, two eighty two, two eighty three. He is an absolute animal with twitch and strength. Uh, he has fifteen tackles for loss and four sacks in four games this year. Um, he's a guy that you know. Uh, speaking with the uh, O'Galley staff. Um, Larry Johnson said one of the best players in the country last week. Notre Dame saying similar things. Uh, but Texas is right there in that recruitment with Texas A&M is in it. Uh, he's a Florida legacy. His cousin is Marcus May, who was one of the hardest-hitting guys to come out of the Melbourne area. We had him in the Under Armour game. He played at Florida. Then Miami. Miami may actually be out in front for him right now. But I can tell you this, on Texas off week after OU – I can guarantee you the Texas staff will go by O'Galley High and see this kid. They're all in on him. They think he's tremendous. And I'll tell you this, walking away, I'm not sure how many better uh, D-line prospects I'll see in 25 and 26. Uh, I got to say this uh, before we go any further, really. I, I need to congratulate someone. Oh, uh, yeah. One of our cohorts uh, here at, at on Texas football and inside Texas, Rod Babers. Uh, you, you guys have watched him in the last couple of weeks and – uh, months here on on Texas football guys his wife went into labor this morning around 5 40 in the morning he is going uh, sometime in the next couple hours we believe he's going to be a, a new dad uh, for the first time ever I talked to him last night he was putting in the car seat got his knuckles scratched up putting in the car seat you know and trying to get all that done uh, but very happy for Rod and, and what he's done uh, Blake I'm gonna uh, Blake's back with us I'm gonna add in David Smoke now David uh, as a guy I've known for and, and been a pleasure to deal with uh, for, I guess, almost, geez, David, 30 years back in Tyler. Uh, when you were on the radio station there, you transitioned to Waco probably about 10, 15 years ago and uh, seen the Baylor Bears do a lot of great things now with 365 Sports uh, up in Waco. Uh, how are things going, David? Everything's good. Can you hear me okay? Everything yep. good? Uh, I, I had an issue with a link yesterday because I'm old and I don't know technology. <laughs> Everything, everything's been great. I, yeah, I moved to Waco in 2010 about the time that Baylor started their run. Of course, there's been some highs and there's been some lows, but, and this year we're not so sure what they are, but everything's great. And back in the days when you were doing the recruiting and, and it's good to see everybody else, Blake, uh, Jerry, all you guys, nice to see everybody. It's, it's kind of a, a reunion, so to speak. It is. Yeah. Hey, well, here, here's the here's the reality, David. The Longhorns go in 3-0, and ranked pretty high. Uh, Baylor 1-2 and with that surprise loss uh, at te at te or against Texas State. And then they play Wyoming, or, uh, Utah really tough, but come on the short end of the stick. 
Uh, last week, uh, Steve Sarkeesian said that uh, while the first half probably uh, – actually, Steve didn't say this, but uh, while the first half against Long Island uh, wasn't real strong from the Bears, uh, Sark said he felt like Sawyer Robertson showed some real growth in the second half. What are you expecting in this game with Texas and Baylor? I Let's – you know, it's all about true serum. They haven't looked good. Uh, the, the game with Texas State, there were times in that game – when it looked like Texas State had better players. And I know G.J. went into the transfer portal. You hear about Dion, but, I mean, I don't know if anyone went into the transfer portal more than G.J., who's a hot, as you guys know, rising young star. And I covered him when he was at Canton High School and then at Gilmer, um, which only makes me feel very old. But And I am. But I, I uh, it's been really – it's you know – it's been disappointing because I don't see any firepower. I don't see anything that was any different than how they ended last year. Obviously, Baylor football fans have gotten very spoiled since 2010. And and they've won two Big 12 titles. Well, they've won three Big 12 titles and uh, had their best year ever two years ago. Aranda was a Jedi, a genius. Um, he was everything. He was the perfect personality. Now... He doesn't get angry enough. He doesn't show enough personality. And that the team plays like their head coach. And I don't know if that's always the case because Tony Dungy was not a high-level personality. Joe Gibbs, I'm not trying to compare Aranda to them. Joe Gibbs, Tom Landry, uh, you know, he, you know, Lovey Smith, who's had success in his career on and off. But I, he's just – he's not going it, to – it's weird. And it's the typical fan base reaction Uh when you have somebody who's low key, you hire somebody who's fiery after you fire him. And then you go to the, you know, back and forth. It has been, in my opinion, the biggest problem I've had. And again, Blake Shapin out has hurt a little bit, but he was there when they lost to Texas State. I think this team lacks something. And, 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 and it, it may be talent. It may, Dave Aranda disagrees. I asked him earlier this week when I had a chance to visit with him. One-on-one is that, uh, do you have the talent to win a Big 12 championship? He thinks his roster has enough. Now, I don't see it, but I'm not an X's and O's guys like you guys are. But I don't see – Baylor might have a couple of guys that can beat you deep. One of them hasn't done anything this year in Monterey Baldwin. Nothing. He was a big play guy for them. He's been hurt. A lot of times he's been hurt. He has been – I mean, he's just been – I don't know if it's – Aranda says he's – practicing well whatever but there's nothing there but this has been this is here's what this game is going to be either texas throws up on themselves and they somehow throw it on the ground or you're and i don't know how you do that if you're not being disrupted right it, it, this either is a 49 to 8 or you know so i'm not trying to just like but i feel that way or somehow or another Baylor plays the best game, all of this other stuff combined. Texas throws up on themselves. But Texas has turned the ball over once, once in three games, and not even against Alabama. So Baylor's defense is known for trying to be aggressive. I don't know if they have – I don't think we'll ever realize how good Jalen Petrie, Terrell Bernard, and Woods, the safety. I don't think you'll ever know because until they're gone. It's like you you have pain in your body somewhere, knee, back, shoulder. The next thing you know, someone fixes that, and you're like, my God, was I really hurting? I didn't even realize it. <laughs> David Smoke of 365 Sports joining us uh, here. Uh, David, I think those are 
Uh, you know, look, Texas Texas fans have rode the roller coaster too, right? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Maybe even worse in the last twelve years than Baylor has. I mean, really? Yeah. No, I I think we all agree. Texas has been through three coaches. Uh, two of them uh, last uh, last two fired. One of them kind of retired slash mm. uh, pushed aside. So uh, the the question I have as it relates to Baylor's defense because we, we you talked about the inconsistency on offense there. Uh, and the lack of maybe a big play guy, right? What about what about the Baylor defense? Um, they have they been as like last year? they Dave Aranda gave Texas real problems yep. until Texas just decided, okay, we're going to run the ball in the second half, and uh, we're very successful. You know, it reminded me. You know, you guys know, and, and uh, as as a lifelong Nebraska fan, in the last 15, 20 years, that's been like tough. Like, think about the combination of being a Texas and Cowboys fan the last 25. Well, not 25, because Texas was really good in the in the 2000s uh, and won it all. But uh, uh, there was a game when Jamal Charles, it's a home game at DK Royal Memorial Stadium. And Nebraska's very average at the time. And they had Texas kind of in the crosshairs. And then Texas finally said, We've got this Hall of Fame type guy in Jamal Charles, and he ran for 300 yards, I think 250 of it in the fourth quarter. That's what UT kind of did it away last uh, year, in my opinion. And they, they're they very, very, very young in the secondary. I mean, like raw. Uh, their defensive line, they've had like Boykins, the big defensive tackle. Jarrell Boykins has not been out. He's not been available. Not sure about that. They need – when you have Siaki Ika, you get spoiled – because you have the fire hydrant, they don't have they they have some T.J. Franklin from Temple's a good player. Gabe Hall, they're both they're dripping with this. You know they've been around a while, but they they haven't been able to get to the quarterback. And when they have, and Texas State was a great example. Finley really played well, although he was he fumbled twice. When they have been able to get to whoever they played, Utah, Texas State, they can't seem to get there and make a play. They get somebody loose, and then once a quarterback who has any mobility gets loose, here comes the 35-40 yarder or the scramble for a first down to keep the chains going. I've been I've been extremely disappointed in with Aranda being the defensive guy, but it's just and Pallage, of course, is also raw. This is his first time to be a defensive coordinator. I like him, I like his style. But it just seems like there's been something missing. I don't know if this week, because it's UT, sellout, maybe as many UT burn orange people there as far as colors as Baylor. But it there there has been, and, and that's when the fans, you know, the, the emotional part of it. And you wonder where it is, but you have to get that not from your coach. You could only swallow a worm once in a lifetime. You could only have a, you know, like – Clear off the the table, a clubhouse meeting like Alabama apparently did. You do that once, you can't do it twice. This has to come from within the team. Somebody, the players have to be the ones who get that thing juiced up, not a head coach. Hey, uh, Smoke, uh, I guess the last time we saw each other was at an Outback Steakhouse in Tyler years ago. (laughs) I remember that. But, um, hey, the environment Saturday night, you mentioned it's a sellout, right? but and you've been to a lot of stadiums. But what does that really mean? It's not a raucous, intimidating environment necessarily. Do you think the Baylor fans and students are really going to be up for this game? Because it's the last time you got a chance to beat Texas in a mm-hmm. long time. 
probably. What's the end of the vibe in Waco? Well, you know, McLean Stadium, I'll never forget in 14 when it opened, that game with TCU when they trailed most of the game and they came back and won it on a field goal. That place can get pretty – because it's not it's, – it's not – again – you don't have a hundred thousand people, but a hundred thousand people loud doesn't mean it's louder than forty-five or fifty thousand. Uh, that place is right on top of the game. Now they've sold or they've given out more student tickets for this game than since the stadium opened in fourteen. Okay. We know that kids want to go watch, you know, beat Texas or whatever. Um, I, I what I said a minute ago. I hope you guys caught that. I don't know if how many Baylor fans may have sold their tickets right. and gotten money to pay for the rest of their season tickets. They have eight home games. That's the other thing. Eight home games, and they've already lost a couple of them. The stunner was Texas State. Uh, yeah, it can it can get loud, but it's not Lubbock. It's not Stillwater. It's not Morgantown. And those stadiums are larger, but those you know that there's something about being in those places at night. You know, DK can be surreal. Uh, uh, what he got, like almost like at times you're like, are, are there really a hundred thousand people here? Right. Um, but but this place, if they if they get something that happens good early, and I don't know if that's going to happen, but if something happens early, something maybe funky, try like pops in it, you know, at the end of the quarter, and it's somewhat. Because let's be honest, Texas has a chance to like score quickly, and at any there's everybody on their offense, I think, can go fifty. Everybody, we know that. Even their, I mean, Sanders, the tight end. So, I, I'm not trying to like get around your question, but it can get pretty fun. I mean, like it can get. I don't know if the word is raucous. They can go crazy, and with that many students, the question is, how long are they engaged in the game? If in fact the game does linger and gets into the second half. Hey, David, uh, speaking with David Smoke of uh, 365 Sports, uh, myself, Jerry Hamilton, and uh, Blake uh, Monroe alongside on this morning's Coffee and Football. Uh, David, uh, I look at it, and a lot of people are making a big deal about this being Texas and Baylor's last go. Yeah. Uh, what are the thoughts of those people up in Waco about that? Yeah, it's been brought up. I mean, it, it's it's something. Here's one of the things. One, you're know, like Mac Rhodes, our director of athletics that we have, our Baylor's our, on our show. Uh, you know, we brought that up. They're not going to play again. We know that unless somehow Baylor goes back to being a 12-2 and two team or is in that mix or they meet in the bowl game. But how long did we always think that A&M and Texas might meet in the bowl game and they both probably tried to figure out how they couldn't? Uh, and that's not saying one or the other, you know, oh, my God, I'll get Twitter on that now. But they did. They almost like did everything they could, even if they probably would have normally matched up in a bowl game. I, um, It's a big deal to me because this is where today's college football and I understand everything that's happening with realignment. It's really kind of amazing the Big 12 is at a cat with nine lives. I mean, they have been on the ropes many, many times. And but. Yeah, it matters to me because I'm a traditionalist, but I, this is different now. NIL, the transfer portal, realignment. Like, I can't even tell you sometimes who's in what conference. Even, like, the Power Fives I can, and then I have to remember Rutgers and Maryland are in the Big Ten. Um, <laughs> but it is – it's a different animal, and it is kind of, in a way, I, I don't it, – it's a one-sided rivalry. But Baylor's had some huge wins against Texas. Not a lot of them, but some pretty big ones. And I know that it's like UT is everybody's rival. You hear that all the time. And, of course, we know Oklahoma and then now the reestablished part of A&M. 
it is kind of me to real surreal. I don't care if it's 49 to three or 28, 27, last second field goal, whatever. It's surreal uh, with these schools who are a part of the Southwest Conference, the Big 12, that they're all kind of splitting up. I get it, though. I was a military brat. Every four years, I got used to some place. The next thing you know, we're in Japan, you know, or Virginia. And so that part of me is used to change. But I, I, I'm not trying to get off my long guy. I'm not. But it is kind of weird that this is it. And and if Texas is on their way to bigger and better things, you think, based on the momentum, plus the money, plus the conference, plus the visibility. But, you know, I always I, I said this. I don't know if you guys agree with this. A lot of times the Big 12 broke up because nobody could trust each other. And I know Texas took a lot of the brunt of that. And, uh, and, and, and sometimes maybe rightfully so. I don't know. But. What if UT would have beaten Alabama in 2009? What if Oklahoma would have actually showed up once better against LSU or Florida or USC in a national championship game? And they had not just Nebraska in 97 when they ran, you know, a lot of college football. But Texas had two national titles and Oklahoma had two nuts. I'm talking about since the big Kansas State in 98. How much would that have possibly affected the conference not eating its own? And so everybody really is to blame here. I hate that it's the last meeting, but it, it's not going to, I don't, it's not going to keep me up at night. It, it doesn't because now Texas can worry about a lot of other, te other teams that are going to play. The, you know, you, the, the, the back and forth. I don't know why everything has to be so visceral about whether Texas Tech's going to continue the football rivalry or not. I, I, you know, I don't know why it has to get to be that. I think it's maybe just the way we are in this country. Everyone's pissed off, excuse my language. But I, I do hate that it's the last meeting based on scheduling, but at the same time, that's who we are today. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that, you know, at the end of the day, Texas took is going to a place where they're going to no, make millions no, and millions more. And yeah, I, I think Baylor did a good job of, uh, and, I, and I will say this, I wrote this yesterday on Inside Texas, uh, David. I think Mac Rhodes engineered and architected much of what the Big 12 has become. No, uh, they are. Brett Yormark. Uh, when your mark was hired, we had Mac Rhodes. I might have even texted him and called him and talked to him that day. I don't think he even knew who he was. I don't. I know Jamie. Uh, what uh, Jamie Pollard, uh, Gene Taylor. I think some of these guys were like, "Who is this guy?" And then they started learning because it was a president's call. It wasn't the AD's call. But Mac, especially the four schools in the Pac-12, Colorado was coming. And how now? My God, what, what are they bringing to the table? These are insane numbers they're producing. But one of the things that Matt, I know for a fact, the day before it became official, which we kind of knew on a Thursday, August 3rd and August 4th, it all became official. He was on the phone for hours and hours and hours with Utah and Mark Harlan. And I don't know if you could ever be on the phone that long with Dr. Crow at Arizona State. He's a little bit whacked. But um, and then obviously Matt went to Arizona. So it's not like he didn't have, but you're right. He had, I think your mark gave him like, go. I'm sure there were shares, texts, whatever, but you go get this. We'll let you do this because he's experienced in that. And your mark still in a lot of ways is kind of a rookie. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, that's uh, David Smoke. David, uh, final prediction for this game uh, up in Waco tomorrow night, 630. Uh, it's supposed to be in the low 90s. It's going to be nah. uh, in the middle of uh, September. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I thought it was fall. I mean, I you know, I, I thought it was 
Golly, uh, I I played golf yesterday and and I it was like seventy four when I teed off and it was ninety two by fourteen. You know, it's like God. Yeah. Well, I I we have our site uh, that it really is the umbrella of what we do with the with the YouTube channel. That's really been incredibly uh, a great journey, an unbelievable explosion of of fun. I said thirty eight twenty. There was a part of me, and I mean it. You know, I. 49, remember the Miami and Texas game, the Cotton Bowl, like 49 to 3, whatever that score was. I, 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 here you got to find out Texas is better across the board. If you took their too deep and Baylor's too deep, it wouldn't be like 100%. And it may not even be 75%. And we're not talking about talent, we're talking about production or whatever. But if you have any pulse in your heart, your veins, your arteries, if you have any pride, if you have any kind of manhood, this is when you put up, you still may lose by 30. But I said 38 20 because I just kind of, maybe it just kind of, Texas can score in the first play of the game and God knows what happens. I say 38 20. We have some on our site that said 52 to 9. We've had three or four that maybe are hoping like win one for the Gipper. You know, like, <laughs> I, now I didn't think they'd beat Utah. They controlled that game with Utah, but you know what I learned about Utah, and I know you guys got to go. Worst thing you could ever do is ask a talk show host to come on as a guest of your own show. But <laughs> Utah, that game, that would have been huge because then I think you win that game. You're going to be a bowl team at some point. You're going to win enough in the end. But they, uh, Utah never blinked. They're down 13-3. to The quarterback play was terrible. Rising's out, who you guys know well, and – they never blink from what they do. I kind of appreciate that. Baylor would need that kind of effort of just don't blink, don't blink. And I, and I don't know if that's there. We have not seen it, which is surprising because, again, the 2021 team at the end of the year had the playoffs been extended from not just four but to eight or 12. That would have been interesting to see how far they could have gone. But that's two years ago. They're nowhere. They're like a shell. They have not taken advantage of 12 and 2, the best year in the history of that school. Not many teams have 12 and 2s. Winning the Sugar Bowl, winning the Big 12 in dramatic fashion. They have not taken advantage of that, in my opinion. And I think that's the biggest frustration among the Baylor fan base. I say 38 20, and I don't know if it'll be that close. Hey, right, Smoke, we can't let you get out of here. Since you mentioned golf, I love the Masters flag behind you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't even realize looking at it because I, I have the the uh, the play at the goal line, the Oklahoma State Baylor play at the goal line in the in the Big Twelve Championship game, and I thought that was it behind me. There's, of course, there's my SFA Lumberjacks, and of course, there's a Nebraska helmet. My God, would you guys send them some talent, please? <laughs> You know, if he's going to recruit Texas in the central. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah, he, he I, I love the guy. I, I got to know him really well. They need football IQ. They don't need football talent. They need football IQ. They're one of the dumbest football programs year in and year out lately. <laughs> Drives me crazy. And this is a Nebraska fan, David Smoke, uh, who used to be in Tyler, now with 365 Sports in Waco, hosts a tremendous show. Uh, if you follow a Big 12 theme and going forward, if you're fans of the Big 12, there is no better source uh, than 365 Sports. David, we appreciate hey, buddy. you. Have a good one. Thanks for joining us. You guys have a great weekend. See you. Bye. Hey, good to see you, man. You too. You too. Oh, appreciate it. Uh, David Smoke, uh, longtime voice uh, uh, in the state of Texas around the league. Uh, he was uh, he used to cover the Cowboys for the Tyler Station too. So he literally would be going back between high school football on Friday night, Saturday, the Longhorns and the Aggies, uh, and uh, Sunday be all about the Cowboys out in Tyler. 
to, to David Rawls' uh, comment, he is uh, he is absolutely uh, a legend. I, I, I got to say, know. Bobby, I had coffee this morning. My coffee didn't do that for me. <laughs> <laughs> David is I, a I pro. Smoke. I got to get with smoke. I need a new brand of coffee, man. <laughs> David is a pro's pro. He really He's is, awesome. guys. Good Love guy. It. Really good yeah. guy. Hey, uh, Jerry uh, and Blake. Blake had some uh, technical issues. Uh, Jerry, your your thoughts. Uh, I know you got to get going kind of yeah. early this morning. You got to get on the road. Uh, some late recruiting news or, or thoughts right now for you before you get going. Yeah, somebody asked. Somebody asked about uh, if Weston Davis has been to Texas bar. I think it was when he was younger, like freshman year, way back. He hasn't been in a while. Um, it's been a while, um, but he's been on campus before. Um, I'm, I'm going to go see him uh, next week, by the way. Um, yeah, Brandon Baker's deciding Sunday. I mean, it's not that far off, right? I believe 8 p.m. Uh, Central Time. Uh, look, I, I, I haven't heard anything that make me back off Texas in a good spot there. Although Ohio State, Oregon, and Nebraska in it. Um, and, and based on Smoke's comment, Nebraska has no chance. Um, <laughs> so, um, no, or, or, or they need him very badly. Um, but – I haven't heard anything that, that make me back off that. Solomon Williams, I post on Inside Texas. If I was betting today, I, I like where Texas is at with Solomon Williams ahead of his official visit, which may be September 30th. It depends on his grandmother's health, health when his mom can travel on that visit because Texas wants the mom on the official visit because they know they're in a pretty good spot with Solomon Williams. Uh, so I, I think th those are two big ones right now uh, for me. You know, I talked to KJ Lacey Tuesday after practice at Sarah Land and uh, he said the response, you know, those kids are on text threads. The response from the 2025s after Texas beat Bama was pretty good. And he said kids he's talked to that were at the Wyoming game. The Texas fans, you know, we're sitting, everybody's sitting there biting nails late third quarter. The kids thought the environment was awesome. The kids look at it different. They say environment was awesome. I have, I have a chance to come in and make an impact like Kelvin Banks, like Cedric Baxter, like Anthony Hill, like Malik Muhammad. Those guys look at this differently than fans do. All that uh, response from 25s has been extremely positive, even post-Wyoming game, which for the fans are like, oh, no. But for the recruits, they're like, this is an unbelievable environment. We had a blast. We can go make a – I have a chance to make an early impact here because I see other freshmen doing it, and a sophomore in Kelvin Banks that did it. So – um, yeah, I, I think on the recruiting front, everything's positive right now for Texas. I, I got a couple questions for you. Is Ryan yeah. Wingo potentially slipping since he just scheduled an official visit to Colorado, Jerry? And he did that subsequent to his visit to Texas. Yeah, yeah. I mean, slipping, I wouldn't say that. I mean, I, I think there's some there's remains some good confidence there on the Texas side. But look, hey, I mean, he, he's going on a visit that people didn't expect. That's recruiting, right? Um, and, then we'll, and we'll see. I think USC will uh, win that football game. But, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, so look, it adds another team to the mix is what it does. It adds somebody else that you have to uh, deal with in recruiting. Uh, but, look, I mean, the reality is, is if you were going to make a visit, and I and Dion's a powerful dude. I've been around him now, and he's winning enough games, even though he'll lose this weekend and lose to USC, I think. Um, but what he's done matters already. You'd rather him be there than going to Georgia. Yeah, I got you. I mean, I, I, here's another follow-up on another wide receiver-based question. Is Texas still in contact with uh, Bryant Wesco, the wide receiver out of Midlothian? Um, He's committed to Clemson. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't I, I don't have anything new on that. I don't think – I mean, Justin and I have talked about it. Um, um, 
I don't I, I don't think anything's moving there. I'll say that. Got it. Well, somebody mentioned the the uh, Travis Hunter's a serious blow to Colorado. Yes. Yeah. Hey, Jerry, what is this about? What about? I didn't Coleman? see it. I didn't see that. Maybe they may have been. T- somebody may have been talking about the receiver at Phoenix City Central that's committed to A and M. I did not see that. Somebody would have to uh, bring that up. Okay, it's something that we need to look into for sure. I guess right. Um, and and will down the line. Uh, Jerry Hamilton inside Texas on three and on Texas football. Jerry, we appreciate you. I know you got to get on the road. Uh, we'll, me and Blake, will take it home from here. Uh, the rest of the after, uh, the rest of the morning, we'll see you in the afternoon at one o'clock yep. uh, for the live stream. Rod Babers, by the way, guys, we mentioned this. Uh, he's having a kiddo. Uh, his uh, wife, her water broke this morning around five forty-five, apparently. So he is off to the hospital and, and getting back going. Uh, Blake, take it away for a little bit, buddy. All right, man. I think we're. I think I'm back in action. I switched computers, so hopefully no more freezing. I should be with you the rest of the way, Bobby. And by the way, I wanted to mention as soon as he got off the air, David Smoke he emailed me and he said, "Had a great time. Thank you all for having me. I hope I didn't talk too much." <laughs> uh, David's great. I mean, David's a pro's pro. I'm telling you now. Like, guys have been doing this this long. Uh, they don't get to where they are without without uh, knowing what they're doing, and I'm uh, I'm happy for him. Definitely. All right. Well, let's take some more questions here. Um, and we're going to let you fill in for Jerry on the recruiting side as well. But Jesse Ullman says, good morning from Weatherford. What is the high upside potential of our tight end, a tight end recruit, Washington? Although you don't like to do it, do you have any player comparison? Um, for Jordan Washington, I, I think he's got very high upside. Um, you're talking about a guy that's 6'4", 220, going to end up being probably 6'4", 6'4 and a half, 235 to 245. Uh, yet still retain that flexibility. He is, look, he is the typical guy who was not highly recruited early. And then everybody went and saw him in spring. He backed away from basketball and now everybody wanted him. Uh, Texas did a great job. Jeff Banks did a great job uh, there in the recruitment. I'm very impressed and excited about his potential long-term. I think he's a future NFL tight end. Uh, if that gives you an idea of where I think he is. So uh, it doesn't matter to me what the recruiting rankings are. Uh, if you're looking for a comparison, uh, maybe someone like Bo Scaife, where he's that receiving tight end more than an Andrew Beck or Jeff Swain. Uh, I don't know that he's as good a receiving tight end or as gifted athletically as Bo. Uh, but he may he may have more of the... Uh, the true uh, size that, that teams on the NFL level are going to want and be a better blocker than Bo. That's a high praise there for sure. I, I like him a lot. I, I think that he's a, one of the hidden gems in, in the Texas recruiting class right now. And I know you're a huge fan, of course, of Christian Clark, the running back out of Arizona, but Lane Fritz wants to know which one of our running back commitments are the bruiser? Both. These these guys are both physical running backs. I saw Jarek Gibson in person uh, play uh, IMG played Lipscomb Academy in the first week of the season. Uh, that is what Gibson does the best. He's a little bit of a pinball. That's his running style. He kind of bounces. He's low to the ground, kind of bounces off of people. Uh, now, Christian Clark is a bruiser, maybe in a way more like, more like Bijan could be at times. Um, but I think he's more, even more physical running style than Bijan. Uh, Christian's a, a, a linebacker. He's a reformed linebacker. I'm going to put it that way. 
Like he 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 uh he loves contact and wel- welcomes it. Uh, I, I'm I I think both of those guys are SEC style running backs. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Uh, Then this next question, Bobby, is from Richard Bostick, and he says, what's more important for hiring a coaching staff, an elite recruiter or an elite developer? And then, of course, if you were the coach, how, who would you hire? I won't make you get into all that. But what do you think on the first part of that question? Man, it doesn't have to. It's not. They're both important. Um, If I had to choose between the two, I would go with elite developer. Um, Because at a place like Texas, you're going to be in the the race for some elite players no matter what. And maybe the head coach takes on those recruitments. Right. And the head coach can do it. So you, you hire developers to, to develop the guys that you bring into your, into your, onto your team. And I think that at some places, that's what Steve Sarkeesian's done. I think that's what he's done in some places. Hey, Blake, we need to say thanks to one of our sponsors uh, this Friday. Uh, and that's Andy Ludicky. Uh, Andy is a uh, long-term friend uh, of the show and also someone that uh, has uh, really helped out uh, some fellow Longhorns along the way. Uh, visit Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're looking to leave the corporate rat race and own a business of your own, uh, Andy knows the franchise business inside and out. He's been doing this for decades. Call him at 404-973-9901 or email him at Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. What Andy is able to do is he pre-qualifies you for certain uh, types of businesses that he thinks fit your DNA without you know, going too far into it. He actually asks you the questions that need to be asked, uh, gets you headed in the right direction, and then puts you in contact uh, with the people uh, that make those decisions for those franchises. If you're looking to own your own business and think franchise, the franchising game might be for you, contact Andy at Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. All right, Bobby, we've got a couple of super chats we need to get to. This first one from Trace Crutchfield, and he said, Love Boyd and Baber's brilliant Sark slash Stephen and Mullet slash Buzz game day performance algorithm and football theory. They were cooking with gas last night. Hook them. <laughs> it was a tremendous show. I'm going to put the link in, in uh, the chat software at the end of this to make sure everybody gets a, gets a chance to see it. Uh, Ian and uh, Rod were going uh, going at it back and forth a little bit on that. Uh, the key is Texas needs a consistent Quinn Ewers, and they haven't gotten him quite yet. They've had two different personalities. Uh, the, the sooner they get one that is consistent and that they can rely on, uh, the sooner Texas might be a better, the best version of the team they can be. 
No doubt. And then Dax Kelm with the super chat. Thank you, Dax. He says, let's go, Rod B. So got to send Rod a uh, <laughs> congratulations on that. And then we have a super chat here from Jesse Ullman. And he says, y'all mentioned rotation with Connor and Campbell due to Hudson's injury. And more of Neto. Why will we not use big Cam at right tackle in that rotation? Because Christian Jones is playing like a draft pick right now at right tackle. Uh, now, they might they may do it in the next, you know, if they get out to a lead in certain games, et cetera. Um, but there's no, there's not a problem at tackle right now. There's been some screw ups at guard with both, both starters uh, in Hayden Connor and DJ Campbell. Um, and so that's why the, the emphasis is there. And then I don't know if you saw this comment in the chat, Bobby, but I did want to read it to you. Heisman season Quinn says, Bobby, as you said yesterday, OU fans did clip your statements about David Stone and post them on Twitter, even though what you said was 100% correct. I've got no problem with that. I have a bunch of people texted me and said, uh, did you really say that? I, yeah, I mean, I went and saw him play. He didn't make any plays. I mean, I they, look, I've, I've been doing this a long time, and – I'm no longer paid to go out and watch football players, uh, high school football players like I once was. So I don't go and see every player, great player across the country. To me, he was the third best defensive lineman on that team. He certainly was the third most, most productive um, behind uh, Jaden Jackson and TJ Lindsay. And so you can say, well, he's built like this and built like that. He didn't perform like it. And there are guys, he's not, the prettiest looking guy you've ever seen as a defensive lineman either. It's not like he's, I don't know, Albert Hainsworth or something or Haloti Nada. He's big, but he's not, you know, the next coming. Uh, and so production matters. And the fact that he was the last in every single get ready line, and that's not the first I've heard of that. Um, so be it. I mean, I, I hope, I hope he gets it out of him. I hope they get it out of him at OU because I will say this, if not, he is squandering money uh, because he he has the ability to make a lot of money playing football, the ability. Right now, I don't know that he will. It, it reminds me of the time, Bobby, you sent me, uh, it's years ago, it was when Miles Garrett was still in high school, you sent me to Arlington Martin, I came back and I said, man, he didn't do anything, I don't know what this guy's going to do, but then, of course, they ended up getting it out of him and the rest is history and, you know, he is where he is now, you just never know. You no, never you know. never know, I will say that, Miles Garrett, Miles Garrett on game day, um, he could unleash it. I didn't see, I didn't see David Stone unleash it. Yeah. In what should have been his, you know, first game of his senior year, ready to go. I just, I just didn't see it. And then two other super chats, real quick, just because they're comments. UT Boy says, "Hook'em family, we appreciate it." UT Boy, and then Major Alexander with some big praise for you, Bobby for president. Hook'em, so thank you, Major. <laughs> we appreciate it. I want uh, nothing to do with politics. <laughs> Zero. Let's get back to football then. Casey Strahan says, "How how do y'all think the running back workload will be split this week after the positive health report for Baxter?" Fifty, almost forty, forty, twenty. I, uh, and maybe 40-40-15-5, something like that. Uh, Baxter and Brooks, the 40-40, 15 to Ke Keelan Robinson. I think he'll be the first kind of boutique guy off the bench. Uh, and then you add in Savion Red, uh, maybe for short yardage situations. That's how I would see it. Uh, Sark yesterday, Blake, was effusive in how well he thought Cedric Baxter practiced on Thursday morning. 
He, he didn't he didn't say, oh, he looks good. It's the best he's looked in two weeks. Uh, he's ready to go uh, against Baylor. And then this question from the Green Lantern. He says, does your season win total drop, Bobby, if Jalen Ford goes down with an injury? If so, how many? To me, Jalen is metaphorically and figuratively the center of the defense. Um, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, because I don't know. I'm thinking to myself, what Big 12 team can really make Texas pay for not having Jalen Ford on the field? It would probably be one with a running quarterback uh, and, a, and a quarterback that likes to hit his tight ends. So maybe Texas Tech is a big one um, in that regard. Maybe Kansas State. Uh, maybe KU. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it may it may drop a game uh, to Green Lantern. I, I can see that. But I wouldn't – I'm not in this uh, category where I, I have to say that it, it's – that that devastating and one of the reasons why uh, I think is that Jet Bush is still there and has played some I think he steps in if uh, uh, if Jalen Ford goes down and while he is not uh, and he's not as good as Jalen Ford he's a reasonable approximation with a lot of game experience so he's not a gonna he's not gonna be out of step he may not be as good he's just not gonna be out, out of step uh, we've had lots of comments this week, Bobby, as you know, about the flyover defense, the issues there. Of course, that's going to continue today. Uh, so who and golfer says, hook them from Thailand. I get that Sark has issues with the flyover, but what I don't understand is that why our far superior talent can be held at bay by it. Um, well, first of all, so just so you know, Baylor doesn't run the typical flyover. They don't even run the flyover. They run what Rod and, and uh, Ian are describing as amoeba fronts. And by that, they mean those guys are, are interchangeable players at their positions, um, uh, Blake. And so the the what Rod has found is that Sark uh, scores roughly nine points less, less per game against a true flyover defense. Why that would be, it takes away Sark's desire to, to hit people deep with the three deep safeties. That is the primary reason, and perhaps he's not he has to be more patient and being more patient, even if you're more patient, it may take longer to score. So that those are all aspects of it that have to be weaved together. And, and what has happened thus far is Texas has not been as productive against that. I, I'm interested to see what Texas does going forward with Sarkeesian this season. I've said it before and I'll say it again. He had all off season to worry about these big 12 defenses with Quinn Ewers, knowing that Quinn Ewers was his quarterback. So how is he going to attack these guys? Uh, I, I think that we'll see how it goes. It's his third matchup with David Aranda as the Texas head coach and as Aranda being the head coach of Baylor. Uh, and they've met up before as well. And Rudy O has an idea on how to attack them. He says, could Texas run 22 personnel and just bully Baylor and open up the passing game that way? It, that all depends on the Baylor front. I mean, look, uh, David Smoke uh, uh, said this well. Um, he said that, you know, Baylor doesn't have that big guy in the middle, Siaka Ika, that they've had the last several years. They, they're trying to get a guy back healthy that might be able to do that for them. Um, Texas, 
didn't run and Texas didn't have to run 22 personnel last year when they ran 22 straight running plays against Baylor to win. Um, I definitely think you could see Texas do some of that stuff and go empty. Uh, there's a there's a bunch of different things um, that that uh, Steve Sarkeesian could do. Uh, I don't know that Texas needs to play bully ball against Baylor, nor do I think that bully ball is what Texas is best at right now. And then uh, Kingney uh, talking about the running game with backs are healthy over under team rushing 170 yards against Baylor. Well, I, I would hope it's over. I think so too. I would hope it's over. All right. Uh, this next question here is about the offensive line and Daniel Kinneman asked, would it be, would it help a relatively young offensive line to allow them to play 12 personnel and run slash pass out of it for the first few series? It seems like it would help DJ. Um, yeah, maybe. Um, I, I think so. I think that what would help DJ Campbell the most is it being third and three instead of third and 10. Because then you're, you're going to have Dave Aranda is not going to get hyper exotic on third and three on third and 10. He may dial it up and the offensive linemen's based on what we saw last year and against, uh, against Baylor and uh, this past I guess two weeks ago against Rice is their heads are got to be on a swivel much better than they were a year ago. So the best thing you can do for DJ Campbell, in my opinion, is get him into third and manageable instead of second and or third and long, uh, because that that doesn't allow uh, Aranda to be as uh, aggressive in his play calls, and uh, it, it puts it definitely puts the Texas offensive line at a, at a disadvantage. For sure. All right, Bobby, before we move on, I need to let everybody know about Goosehead Insurance and Chase Yarbrough. Um, there's hundreds of insurance providers out there to choose from, but Chase and his team, they have vetted the very best. They select only insurance companies that deserve your business for home, auto, life, flood, and umbrella policies. Uh, Chase even helped me recently, both on home and auto insurance. So let him help you too. Contact him at chase.yarbrough at goosehead.com or give him a call at 325-261-7127. He, so he is statewide, by the way. Yes, he is. All right. Uh, we have a question here about Alfred Collins. And Jose Rodriguez says, I've been waiting for Collins to show off a bit more. Any ideas on why he's such a game wrecker in the offseason, but not so much during the season? Sounds like he could have been lining up uh, over the top of the guards in, in the offseason uh, that have had some problems. Uh, but actually, uh, Alfred has made some plays. They just haven't been big number plays. I mean, he's he created uh, – he flushed uh, the, the Wyoming quarterback on a key third down, uh, kind of blew up the running back in the process. Uh, he had some good pass rush against Alabama. Uh, Alfred is playing better as a uh, senior. There is no doubt about it. The idea that he hasn't shown off a little bit more, I agree with. He hasn't made those splash plays. Um, I, those are going to come. Those are going to come. Uh, the interesting thing that Alfred Collins and uh, Vernon Broughton will need to do this week uh, is hold up against the outside zone run. Uh, I mentioned this at the outset, uh, Blake. Uh, the Longhorns lost Mora Ojomo, who had, as a five technique against Baylor last year, was really good opposite Baron Sorrell in containing and not let Bay not letting Baylor linemen just push them out of the way 
on that wide zone. That's going to be huge. Can Alfred Collins anchor that way? Um, and and that's 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 a big question mark because the last thing you want is Baylor averaging. Uh, they average four point six yards per run right now. They average six yards a run in this game, and you you've got a tussle on your hands in Waco on Saturday night. Definitely. And then UT Parking uh, says, what's the risk reward with kickoff return? I feel like with Keelan Robinson's speed, all he needs is a little seam and he can house it or at least give us great field positions. Why no returns? Uh, he's had a couple. Uh, one of them, he almost uh, he almost hit up against Wyoming. Um, just uh, I, I did some uh, recon, I guess, on the Baylor special teams versus the Texas special teams. Uh, Baylor is allowing about one kickoff return per game. So one out of every four of their kicks is being returned. So if Baylor scores three times against Texas, likelihood is Texas is going to get one chance at a return. Their punts, uh, essentially their punts are not going that long. Um, and furthermore, the net yardage is not that great. So uh, one, they've only three punts all season have been returned against Baylor. So basically Xavier Worthy is likely to get maybe one shot on Saturday. So I, I don't know what the return game will look like for Texas. Uh, Baylor has not, not been giving up too much in, in that way, although their net punting yards hasn't exactly been great either. Uh, we've had a few comments uh, in the chat wanting me to ask you this question. As you know, Texas, Oklahoma, the only two Big 12 teams ranked in the top 25 currently. So Brandon Huey says, I wonder how the commish feels about Texas and OU now. I, I Look, I, I want to say this. I think that I've been hard on Brett Yarmark, and I think he deserves it. So I have no problem with that. He's not a football guy. He doesn't know college football from a hole in his head sometimes, in my opinion. Um, and so I don't know how he feels about it other than I see him as a pitch man, as a sales rep. He would be trying to sell copiers or, you know, medical equipment or cars. It, it's the, For him, it's the same as college football. The people that care about the Big 12 from a real fan's perspective, however, they see it a little bit differently. It's not so much the commission. And you know that um, the folks in Lubbock, the folks in Waco, the people in Stillwater and Ames, they're upset. They don't like it because it makes them look like what they were treated as, which is also Rands, when Texas and Oklahoma opted to go uh, to the to the uh, SEC. Now, I will say this, K-State and Kansas are good teams. Uh, Texas Tech may end up being a good team by the end of the year. So I don't, I don't know that it's going to stay this way forever. Uh, then Albert Green, he says, uh, my old buddy Albert, uh, he says, how good do you guys think our defense is? If they step up, we win this game going away. Uh, I, you hope Albert's right. Um, Texas is ranked number one in the FEI, according to, uh, according to uh, ESPN. They're also only giving up 14.6 points per game. That's really strong uh, for Texas heading into conference play. Uh the question I have, Albert, and what everybody has is uh, we've seen Texas let some offenses kind of really push them around a little bit and dictate 
the pace of play. Rice did that late. Um, Wyoming did that a couple times uh, effectively. What's going to be Pete Kwiatkowski's answer to that? Because those two drives that I'm, I'm refer or three drives that I'm referencing felt too much like the 2021 defense, where the other other team literally just ran the ball and took over against Texas. So uh, I'm interested to see what what PK has in store uh, going forward. I do think that they're a top 10 defense. I don't know that they're the best defense in the country. And let's talk about the other side of the ball, Bobby. King Me says Quinn averages a 60% completion rate, while wideouts average a 13% drop rate. Who's to blame for the passing game looking stale at times? I, I, I saw that number. Somebody put the number up that 13% of passes have been dropped by Texas receivers. They're they're counting anybody. Like, they're if they're counting 13%, then the, the JT Sanders pass over the mil, middle with the Wyoming defense uh, linebacker draped all over him as a drop or the play where JT Sanders drops the ball because Jordan Whittington's helmet or the, the defensive player's helmet hits. Yes, there have been some drops. There haven't been 13% drops. Uh, Quinn should be around 65 to 67% if everything's perfect, but not everybody's perfect. I mean, that's quarterbacks can expect five to 7% drops easily. Um, I, I think that whoever's counting those are counting a little high for me. <laughs> I, I just like I count Xavier Worthy's end zone drop against Alabama as a true drop, right? Mm-hmm. I don't count JT Sanders where a helmet goes through his goes right through his hands with the ball. I don't count that as a drop. They may. That's a pass defended, in my opinion. Good point. Very good point. And then Damon Graham here with a loaded question: What are the keys to the win for Texas? Stop the run in the out zone, outside zone. Be honest and stop the run and then get Quinn Ewers started cleanly. Establish an offense that gets him in a rhythm. Uh, I think that's going to be the key for Texas in a lot of games this year. Uh, the latter part of what I just said. Quinn Ewers is a different quarterback when he is confident. Get him started early with confident throws. And then the backup quarterback, or one of the backup quarterbacks, Rudy O, says, I was hoping to have seen Arch get some playing time by now, but it hasn't been realistic yet. When is his next best chance? Every week is a chance. Every week is a chance with this Texas team because they have the personnel on offense to do away with teams. We heard David Smoke earlier saying, look, Texas got playmakers. We agree with him. Um, you know, the, the question is, what is Texas going to do uh, in, in how are they going to substitute in, et cetera. It could be any week of the year, really. Um, Texas has that much talent, and they have good enough players on defense. Uh, but until we see them go up uh, by three scores in the fourth quarter and Malik Murphy's already had a drive, you're not going to see Arch Manning, in my opinion. And then Emmanuel Villafranco wants you to look in your crystal ball, and he says, who starts at D-line next year? Well, I think Sorrell and Burke are on the outside. Uh, guys like uh, Colin Simmons will likely get, get some run there in, in certain situations. On the inside, it's interesting because I think Collins, Murphy, and Sweat are all gone. Uh, if, if, they, if, if you were to ask me what are they going to do at the end of the year, they're going to all go to the draft. Uh, and maybe they should if they can get the money, right? Um, given that, 
Sadir Mitchell, Aaron Bryant are, are two big guys that have to plug that middle. But really, the big one for me is Jare Bledsoe. Um, there is no bigger offseason for the Texas success this year to next year, unless Quinn Ewers also goes pro. There's no no person's bigger uh, to their, their success than Jare Bledsoe becoming stronger at the point of attack. We know he can get off blocks. He has to be that a down lineman. He can't just be an end slash tackle. He needs to be a tackle. Um, and if he's that, that's going to be a big, big one for the Texas defense. Now we got some questions about the defensive backs. This first one from Michael Pena. When will Catalan be unleashed for a full game? You know, listening to Steve Sarkeesian yesterday, Blake, I don't know that their plan is to play Jalen Catalan a full game all year. They like what Keaton Crawford's brought to the table. Um, and frankly, I, I just don't know that they feel like that's necessary right now. Maybe, and I will say this, maybe when there is a team that throws the ball a lot, Texas Tech would be one for me um, that tosses the ball around so much that he can be a guy that re- that picks off a pass, right? Um, and so I, I think maybe you wait until late in the season. I think he could be highly effective too against Kansas next week uh, because Kansas runs so much misdirection. You want to you want a lot of experience at safety in that game. And then Brandon Huey uh, says, Bobby, you mentioned preseason that you weren't sure if it was the star position or Jade. Are you ready to say that it's Jade Barron now? I think it's both. I, I do. I think Texas puts those guys in a great position to, to succeed, and Jade Barron is maximizing right now. Um, they talked, uh, Sark talked yesterday about just how much uh, Jade is in the film room. And we knew he was a little bit of a film rat before. Um, but that that goes even further to talking about it. I am, Blake, I'm not, and Brandon, that position made plays in uh, Pete Kwiatkowski's first year at Texas. Anthony Cook made those plays, and he played star. Um, and so I think whoever is going to be in that position is going to make plays. They just may not make them at the rate of Jade Barron. Uh, and so in that regard, Brandon, I think you're right. We have a super chat here from Edmund Lee. I want to thank him. He says, your Mark trying to pump up the gas for the Big 12, but with his comments, the Embrace the Hate Tour gives all teams pregame motivation until UT gets their junk going. Question, does OU get this grief? No. I agree. No, OU's not the big bad bully, uh, even though they may play one on TV at times. Um, <laughs> the bridesmaid, baby. I think that, that uh, Texas has been the punching bag for conference realignment since 2008 or nine, when this whole PAC 12 slash big 12 idea came about uh, forcing in their, their thoughts, uh, Nebraska to the big 10, Missouri to the sec, Colorado to the PAC 12. Everybody blamed that on Texas unwillingness to commit to the big 12. Well, sorry. I mean, ultimately all three of those schools did exactly what was best for them. Colorado now is doing an about face 10 years later, 15 years, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're all doing what's best for them. That's exactly what Texas is in their constituency was out for in the first place. 
And now, guess what? Texas is going to make, what, 30 or $40 million more per year? I mean, give me a break. That's, that's all Colorado's doing. You know, they're just circling back. So it, it'll be interesting. All right. And then Daniel Kinneman says, does UT become an it school with 10 plus wins? If it's not already, the answer is yes. That's kind of what Jerry and I were talking about preseason. Blake, if, if everybody recalls, what what is the magic number for Texas? You know, they went from five wins to eight wins. They got to get to 10. They get to 10. It's a steady increase, steady improvement. You've got uh, another quarterback on the way. You've got the roster filling out the right way. You look like Texas is going to be a consistent winner instead of a flash in the pan. That's what Sark is trying to build, and that's what recruits want to be a part of. I agree. And then we got time for just a couple more questions here, Bobby. So this first one from Brandon Huey. Savion Red is under underutilized. Uh, we need to get him five touches a game. Do you agree? Well, um, he was injured uh, for one game uh, and was in the doghouse a little bit this summer for, for actions outside the team. So I, I don't know about the number of touches. Um, I do think that he – uh, could could bear more watching. Um, I just look. I think I think he has a role on this team now, and may find another role next year. Um, if 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 Baxter or Brooks sustain an injury, my most interesting thing right now is do they bypass Robinson and Blue and go to Red? Because I think Red is a better all around back than the other two. Now. He has to prove he's reliable and responsible, which was a problem in the offseason. They would not, however, have put him at a wildcat quarterback unless they thought he was reliable and responsible now. So maybe that progress has showed up. Remember, he's only a second-year player. He is still learning college football. So let, let's see how it goes. Uh, then you know I always save the loaded questions for the last, yeah. Bobby. This will be the last one for today. Tyler Hastings says, Bobby, rank your top five players still left to play against that could change an outcome of a game. Um, Dylan Gabriel at OU. Um, maybe the, uh, the defensive end at OU, Canoe. I like his suddenness. Stutzman may be a guy at OU as well, becoming a playmaker. Um, Jalen Daniels, uh, the uh, quarterback at, at Kansas, is a no-brainer to me. Uh, and then I'm going to – I would go with uh, Will Howard at uh, Kansas State. Those are the ones that, that you know, one, the thing that's made different about OU this year, Blake, is they're actually starting to develop some playmakers on defense. Mm -hmm. And – they were bad on defense last year, just period, in my opinion. Um, I feel like they're a better defensive team. They're not perfect. They still still can be ran on. Uh, they still can be getting beat in the passing game. But they are creating negative plays more. They are um, getting turning the other team over. Uh, that is probably the unit that Texas needs to be most concerned with. Uh, on on for the Texas offense on on defense, it's really about stopping uh, Jalen Daniels and, and KU next week. 
and stopping Will Howard and that and that Kansas State offense because uh, Kansas State looks pretty good on offense as well. I said that was the last one, Bobby. We had a super chat rolling at the last second. So football junkie says outside of the long touchdown run and getting caught in traffic, I think Hill has done a great job so far this year. Some of the run stops at the line of scrimmage, we haven't seen we haven't seen that from the linebacker position. I would agree. I mean, I Jerry and I talked about it yesterday, Blake. Uh, we we felt like Anthony Hill was very coachable. Rod Babers mentioned this as well. Um, he went out because he overran a overran a play. He didn't come back in until the fourth quarter, and Wyoming tried to run almost the exact same play against him, and he stayed home and didn't over-pursue and tackled the guy at the line of scrimmage. That is high football IQ. That is coachability, and you're talking about a freshman. That is very, very rare and part of what makes him a special prospect. He's just not a good prospect. He's potentially special. He, he's a potential first-round NFL linebacker. Just think of it that way. There, there are only two of those a year at, at max. Yep, I 100% agree with you. And we want to thank Football Junkie for the Super Chat. All right, Bobby, before we go, what do you have coming on later today right here on On Texas Football? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, before Rod uh, Rod's wife went into labor, they shot the quarterback room last night. That'll be up, I think, around 11 o'clock today. Uh, then we're going to do the 1 o'clock live stream. Uh, Justin, Jerry, Ian Boyd stepping in as well uh, for that one. And then question an questions answered later tonight. Guys, uh, a big weekend tomorrow ahead too. Uh, it is, uh, you know, Saturdays for us, we try to make it like it is for you guys, and that's a party. Um, it should be a party on Saturdays. We only get 13 of these, maybe 14 if we're lucky, a year. Uh, and so we're pretty much wall-to-wall -wall on Saturdays. Uh, Saturday conversation with Paul Wadlington. Uh, then we, me and Jerry like to do a little pregame uh, talk around 1030 or so. Uh, then we have the watch with us with Aaron Hogan and the postgame show as regular. So uh, next uh, 24, 48 hours, hopefully is a, a fun time. And hopefully Rod has his baby by then. And uh, maybe we can call in and talk to him and say hello real quick uh, and wish him well, well too. No doubt about it. And then, uh, as Bobby said, around-the-clock coverage here, but also over at Inside Texas, you can use promo code OTFIT23. You get a dollar for your first two months. you got to select the monthly offer only for new subscribers only. So take advantage of that for sure. And then, as I said, and Bobby said, around-the-clock coverage all weekend pretty much right here on On Texas Football Stuff that you're not going to want to miss. We want to thank all of you for tuning in. want to thank our Super Chats. And uh, they'll be back later on today, and we'll see you on Monday morning. Hook them, guys. <laughs>